You're listening to Fight Files Radio on fightfiles.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all of our social media. Hey, UFC Tomac will wave my ass. Okay, guys like Yair, that's why people are scared to fight because these guys are dangerous, man. If you want to beat the best, you got to be the best. And the best is blessed, baby. All love to Yair. This guy's a beast. Viva Mexico! Herb needs to stop touching guys unless the fight's over. Right. He's got to pull the trigger and stop touching guys. Don't touch him unless you're going to stop the fight. And and when they played it back in slow motion, he's kind of like dancing. Like he doesn't know what to do, whether he's going to jump in or not jump in. Hello and welcome in everybody to Fight Files Radio on FightFiles.com and all your various podcast platforms. Another one in the books, UFC Fight Night. UFC Vegas 42 just went down and it was another great night of fights. Well, ladies and gentlemen, after five rounds, we go to the judges' scorecards. Here are the totals. 49-46, 48-47, and 48-47. All for your winner by unanimous decision. Max Post There really wasn't a bad fight on the fight card with an exception of maybe one or two. I mean, you can totally start on the prelims. I was really impressed with Andrea Lee. I picked her to win that fight. Not necessarily in that manner, but I really appreciated that fight. How could you not like the Chaos Williams knockout with that right hook on Baeza? I thought that was incredibly impressive. But let's start with the headliner. I mean, Max Holloway defeats Yair Rodriguez via unanimous decision in a very impressive win and he was very very active I mean he was definitely in his realm with an exception of maybe the first round I awarded Yair Rodriguez the first round 10-9 not a 10-8 but a 10-9 Rodriguez over Holloway but Holloway came out in that second round and he absolutely seemed like he was in his realm He was taking some big punches and he was absorbing punches like he does quite a bit. But he was absolutely being the aggressor as well. And I scored the last three rounds for Max Holloway. If you you made the argument that you gave Rodriguez two out of the five rounds, you're not going to get a massive argument from me. But I did give the first round to Rodriguez. And then I gave rounds two, three, four, and five to Max Holloway so I think it's a sentiment to Yair Rodriguez and his toughness the fact that he wasn't finished by Max Holloway and I think it gave him a sense of confidence after the first round the fact that he wasn't able you know the fact that he was able to weather the storm of Max Holloway or or weather any major strike from Max Holloway I think it it gave him a bit of uh, you know a sense of belonging particularly you know considering the fact that he's been out for two years 25 months I believe is the exact number that he has been inactive and that's tough for anybody to come back after two years and then face a contender like Max Holloway I mean that is absolutely impressive and Rodriguez deserves all the credit in the world unfortunately for him as good of a fighter as Rodriguez is and as tough as he is he simply ran into the better opponent and Max Holloway and Max Holloway is obviously very very experienced very well versed in the in the striking department and guess what the really the thing that I really was not impressed but I I love the in-fight adjustments Max Holloway understands that he can absolutely beat you with the striking but the fact that he took the fight to the ground the fact that he was willing to push him up against or even grapple on the ground is a sentiment to his IQ and the fact that he can make in-fight adjustments if he needs to this is a fight and the goal is to win regardless of what your strengths are and I think Max Holloway did a wonderful job 
with doing that. I think the obvious question is, what is next for Max Holloway? And it obviously makes it a little bit more difficult when you've lost to the champion twice. The good news for him is that Dana White says it kind of makes sense. He didn't guarantee the fight, but you can make the argument. When you look at that division and the fact that he's been able to win the way he has been, you know, sometimes, sometimes, just maybe you can justify a third fight, even if one particular fighter, you know, fighter A loses to fighter B twice. But when you're out beating everybody else in the division, you can kind of make an argument for it. So it it, 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 it it poses a little bit of a problem for the UFC brass when it comes down to decisions and what they're going to do with Max Holloway. But a guy is obviously making a case for himself. He continues to prove that he's a top contender. Max Holloway is a force to be reckoned with no matter who you are. And I think he's there to stay for a very long time. All right, let's move on to the heavyweights. All right, a heavyweight bout between Ben Rothwell and Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Uh, de Lima came in as the, what, I believe the plus 150 underdog in some books and was able to secure uh, a big win over Ben Rothwell, who I picked to win and picked to win via submission for obvious reasons. He's a guy that can absolutely weather the storm. Not in this particular case, but he can weather the storm wear you out or at least wait long enough to where you make a mistake marcos did not give him that opportunity we all know that marcos has heavy hands and he can do that with practically anybody he's known as a striker it's not that he's not well-rounded but he's absolutely known as a striker and can absolutely finish you with one punch he's done it plenty of times in his career uh, as a UFC heavyweight and he showed that he can do it against Ben Rothwell. Now the big issue is with Herb Dean and a lot of people love to point out the mistakes that referees and judges make as they should. Uh, They are responsible for making very important decisions whether it's the referee making decisions in fight, in an octagon, in a cage, whatever, or it's the judges on the scorecards because we're talking about fighter pay, we're talking about bonuses we're talking about missed opportunities at title shots these are all things that have to be taken very seriously Uh, but i bring this up only because it seems like uh quite a bit of people not quite but a few people on twitter uh were not really in agreement with me in terms of what i thought aljamain sterling took to twitter and said the commission cannot allow this and so my question was simple what do you want them to do fire herb dean and i got a couple of yeses And I thought that was just absolutely premature and very fanboyish. And I'll tell you why. You can't expect referees not to make mistakes. Now, I do understand that Herb Dean is on a bit of a a downward slump in terms of making the correct decisions in the cage. But when you look at Herb Dean from an overall perspective, you can't just sit there and say, you know what, time to pull the trigger on this guy. He needs to be fired. It just doesn't work that way. And I think a lot of people fail to understand that. What he does absolutely need to do is he absolutely needs to be sure about when he's pulling the trigger when stopping a fight. And Dana White said as much at the post-fight press conference. Herb needs to stop touching guys unless the fight's over. Right. He's got to pull the trigger and stop touching guys. Don't touch him unless you're going to stop the fight. And and when they played it back in slow motion, he's kind of like dancing. Like he doesn't know what to do, whether he's going to jump in. Or not jump in. That can't happen. You have to be firm in your decision and you have to be, you know, it, it's easy for us sitting on our couches and saying, you know what, you got to be more consistent. But he has to be firm at least in his decision. If you're going to stop the fight, you're going to stop the fight. I think in this particular case, the reason why it was kind of weird is after Ben Rothwell was hurt, I believe the second or the third time, 
he just kind of happened to fall in a position where it looked like he was going for a takedown. And I think that's where the hesitation came from. He saw that Ben Rothwell could possibly, possibly grab a hold of his legs and hold on for dear life, you know, panic wrestling and maybe just recover. Look, if Herb Dean made a terrible decision and let that fight go, there's absolutely no guarantee that Ben Rothwell doesn't recover and comes back on his feet. There's plenty of times where you see this. We look at the Frankie Edgar situation. Frankie Edgar absolutely, absolutely lost that fight, and the referee should have absolutely stopped the fight. But the reason why Frankie Edgar was wanting that fight to go on a little bit is it's not simply because he's such a competitor. It's because it's happened before. May I remind you of UFC 136, Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard. If you know anything about those fights, they were never easy fights for either one of those fighters. And if, if, if the referee had stopped the fight when Gray Maynard had hurt Frankie Edgar, I don't think anybody would have been questioning it. It would have been a fair stoppage. But for whatever reason, in that particular fight, the referee decided to give Frankie Edgar every chance that he could get. And it worked out in Frankie Edgar's favor. It's not going to happen every time, but it happens sometimes. And I think that's very important to understand. So I think what happened in that particular case is Ben Rothwell kind of fell in a situation where he looked like he was going for a takedown and could potentially recover. But this this happened after Herb Dean had put his hands on Lima's back or his hips and said stop multiple times. If you said that, you have to commit to it. And that's exactly what Herb Dean didn't do. And he deserves the criticism. Now, my whole issue is whether or not you should fire the guy because Twitter apparently wants to fire everybody. That's Twitter. Twitter is Twitter. The second you make a mistake, off with your head. And I don't think that's a healthy way to approach any of the officials from any of the commissions. They need to go back. Guess what? Referees need to go back and watch tape. Judges need to go back and watch tape and actually judge their own decisions. It's very important that they do that. And if they don't, they'll never learn from the mistakes that they make in the cage or outside the cage and never improve. Now, you can make the argument that Herb Dean has been in the game long enough and he just can't make those mistakes. Absolutely false. And I think Dana White making those comments, I think he's going to look at that and he's going to take it seriously. I don't think he wants to hesitate. I don't think he wants to make the wrong call. I just think he did make the wrong call and I think he'll absolutely learn from it. All right, two more fights before we wrap it up. Uh, the Song Yadong fight. Oh my God. Song Yadong is one of the several reasons as to why the 135 pound bantamweight division is absolutely fun to watch. And you saw what he was trying to do from the jump. He really wanted to land that head kick. Now, thankfully for his opponent, he was able to weather the storm in the first round, but just wasn't able to do it in the second. And Song Yadong came out with a very impressive head kick victory. And he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for anybody at the 135-pound weight class. That was an incredibly, incredibly fun fight. And the last fighter I want to talk about is Joel Alvarez. 28 years old. He's officially 4-1 in the UFC, only losing in his UFC debut. But now officially on a four-fight winning streak, improving his record to 19-2. But the question becomes the weight. And we've talked about this before. Second fight at a catchweight, two fights in a row, missing weight, and obviously he's going to have to have that uncomfortable discussion with Dana White and company in regards to which weight class he's going to fight. Now, Dana White has been on record saying, look, we don't tell you where to fight unless you start doing stuff like this, and this is where he might have an issue. So I don't know 
if Alvarez is going to perhaps be as stubborn as Paulo Costo fighting at 185 pounds. We all know what, what went down there. Paulo Costo versus Marvin Vittori. Paulo Costo did not make 185 pounds, and he seems like he's pretty insistent in doing so. And Dana White said he's beefing with this camp in regards to that. Joel Alvarez, he finished Thiago Moises. On the, he's on this stoppage run at 155 pounds, but he's missed weight in two straight fights. You're going to have to have that conversation with him to go up. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you continuously can't make weight, you know it, it's it's we're we're beefing with uh, Costa right now over this. You know what I mean? Is there a person in this room that thinks he can come in and the next fight and confident he'll weigh 185 pounds? Exactly. Anybody? Raise your hand, please. Yeah, I don't think so. So yeah, that's what we're going through right now with him too. Now, I don't know if Alvarez has a weaker case than than Costo, but perhaps he does. I think Costo is going to have an uphill battle in terms of convincing UFC brass to fight at 185 pounds. I know if Dana White gives Paulo Costo another fight at 185 pounds, that question will certainly be raised by media and fans as to why. Because he was clearly a massive 185-pound fighter. And it, you could see that the, the weight in his punches and his strikes did impact Marvin and it's an unfair advantage we talk about it all the time if you're going to agree to a fight at 185 pounds and you're going to sign the bound agreement at 185 pounds you need to make 185 pounds you absolutely have to do that you can't you can't just say I could well if I can make 185 well, we go by documentation documentation shows that you've missed 185 pounds more than once and it's the same thing for Joel Alvarez. The thing about Joel Alvarez is if he can make 155 pounds, he's a lengthy, lanky type of guy. And look at his record. A ton of wins have come not only by submission, but a ton by triangle choke. And when you're that long, you have that advantage, particularly over a smaller fighter at 155 pounds. So I understand the temptation of Alvarez wanting to fight there, but we don't know if he's as stubborn as Costo when it comes down to fighting at a particular weight class. But it's certainly a discussion to be had. I think it's going to completely change the dynamic if he goes up to 170. That's a that's a 15-pound difference. But if you can't make 155 pounds, that's going to be a problem. Now, the good thing for Alvarez is that he has the argument to say, well, you know what? I've made it, what, three times now? And I was 2-1 and one in those three fights? Now I haven't. Uh, now, this fight wasn't as bad. The last fight he missed weight, they made it at a, uh, at a catch weight at 159 and a half. This fight was 157 and a half, so it wasn't as bad, but still the struggle is there, and Alvarez is going to have to talk to his camp and the UFC brass as to whether or not that weight class is appropriate. But UFC Fight Night, UFC Vegas 42 was a fantastic card. I really, really appreciate it. That'll do for this particular episode. We really appreciate you tuning in. Please subscribe on all your various podcast platforms, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, however you consume your podcasts. Please give us a follow. Please subscribe because it's absolutely free and we absolutely appreciate it. UFC Fight Night 42 in the books. Expect more podcasts and obviously go to fightfiles.com for all your latest MMA and boxing news. All right, before we go, this particular episode is brought to you by Avatar Desk. For all your social media and digital marketing needs, please go to Avatar Desk. Tell them Nick sent you by. And look, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to promote yourself on social media. Let Avatar Desk do that for you. They have great plans. They have great people. And they have the experts to do that. Avatar Desk, avatardesk.com. 
digital marketing in a digital world, it's avatar desk.